Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Hello, happy Thursday. Thanks for hanging out with us. This is Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. We have new hours. A reminder, you might know this, but hey, it never hurts. 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on Channel Key Weekdays. Mm-hmm. Catching you up on everything you need to know so you can be the smart one uh, within your friend circles. <laughs> I, yeah, I, that is very important. No one wants to be like the dumb friend, even though there is there could be a good way, re, like way of being the dumb friend and always bringing something interesting and a new perspective. But like people are like, "What are you talking about?" Everyone has value. Keep it fresh. Yeah, and also uh, to entertain. Right? It's not just fresh these days. It's to be informed because there's a lot going on. You don't want to be that person. Uh, in the Zoom room or at dinner, if people are in person, safe, or on Clubhouse, not knowing what you're talking about and getting called out. Um. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Points are made. Just saying. Good points. Well, I'm feeling energized today. Yesterday was a lot, energetically. Mm-hmm. We were talking about this, actually, uh, because of working a lot. We were recording constantly. But then also, you forget that just bad stuff in the world was happening as well. I'm sorry, I missed Saying that. Saying that we, we were drained because of working, we we're constantly working, but also bad stuff in the world was happening. And you just, you forget that when you kind of look back at the day. Like, why do I feel drained right now? Oh yeah, lots going on. Yeah, you know what? It may be happening right now because my brain is just like, I, I'm hearing you, but it's like the Charlie Brown teacher where it's just like, womp, 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 womp. Let's talk about what's I just coming up. What's, I don't know what you said. Vaccine <laughs> diplomacy, how the COVID-19 vaccine could help our international relations. We've got our favorite infectious diseases expert, Dr. Michael Sag, joining us for that in 30 minutes. Plus how the AAPI community can take care of their mental health during this time and how we can all help with that too because mental health and wellness is really important. For all of us, but including when uh, trauma is happening and healing simultaneously. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Uh, There's 21 states filing a lawsuit against President Biden over his executive order to rescind permits for the Keystone XL oil pipeline. The suit was filed in the U.S. District Court in Texas. It wants to overturn Biden's decision, saying that he overstepped his authority by ordering a cross-border permit for the Canada-U.S. pipeline to be revoked. They are not happy because these folks, they're going to make a lot of money. And Biden's like, well, I want to help the environment and do good. Think about the long-term impact of this. And as uh, you might know, the controversial pipeline caused 
uh, an outcry among climate activists when it was proposed to carry crude oil from Alberta to Nebraska in 2008. Construction actually began last year after President Trump issued a presidential permit, but then Biden canceled all that and Republicans were not happy. You know who's, who else isn't happy with uh, Biden? Putin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. After this ABC interview aired yesterday, Putin said that Biden's going to pay a price for his or no. Biden said that Putin will pay a price for his efforts to undermine the 2020 U.S. election. And then he used the word killer in this interview. And now Putin is mad at him. Everyone's mad at each other. Well, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki responded to that killer comment today. Does mm-hmm. President Biden regret calling Vladimir Putin a killer? No, the president gave a direct answer to a direct question. So then how is that, how, you don't want to escalate tensions, how is that constructive to the relationship when you talk about diplomacy being primary between the U.S. and Russia? How is calling Vladimir Putin a killer constructive to that relationship? Well, President Biden has known President Putin for a long time. They've both been on the global stage for a long time, worked through many iterations of a relationship between the United States and Russia, uh, and he believes we can continue to do that. So uh, this all follows an American intelligence assessment that found the Russian government did meddle in the 2020 election with the aim of denigrating Biden's candidacy. And according to CNN, the Russian leader, after all of this, has called the comment, that killer comment, unprecedented and described the relationship between the two countries now as very bad. Should we be worried? Well, Richard Fowler is joining us in 15 minutes to get into that. And that was What's Trending This Hour, What's Happening in Entertainment News, Ryan. Okay, so actor Daniel Day Kim is speaking out about the rise in anti-Asian violence at a congressional hearing. Um, And it's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So he is urging lawmakers to pass bills aimed at curbing hate crimes, but also called out Republicans who declined to vote for a resolution last year condemning anti-Asian sentiment. Here is a little bit of a clip of what he had to say. I'm both honored and dismayed to be back in front of you again. Some of you may remember that I was with you just this past September discussing the importance of diversity in American media. You may recall uh, that the reason I was moved to speak then was because the House had just recently passed H.R. 908, condemning all forms of anti-Asian sentiment. But I was disheartened to find that for a bill that required no money or resources, just a simple condemnation of acts of hate against people of Asian descent, 164 members of Congress, all Republican, voted against it. And now here I am again, because as every witness in this hearing has pointed out, the situation has gotten worse. Woo! I mean, uh, he yeah. went on um, to name the names of Asian Americans who have been murdered or be- uh, badly beaten. Um, but he also commented on the shooting um, deaths of eight people at three spas in the Atlanta area. And so he is really doing all that he's can. He's been one of the main uh, celebrities, of course, speaking up for his own community and uh, just speaking out against this violence that was happening. Um, that's been happening and continuously happening, unfortunately. And um, yeah, I, I just appreciate his his thoughtfulness and how yeah. he's handling the situation. And that is your tea report. He's a good guy. We got to have him on the show. Uh, but next up on the show, uh, news coming out, as we mentioned, that Russia did involve themselves in the U.S. election. What else did we learn from all of this? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. According to a declassified intelligence assessment, Russian President Vladimir Putin did authorize influence operations to help Donald Trump in last November's presidential election. 
Joining us right now is Richard Fowler, Fox News contributor, as we dive into this. Welcome back to the show. It's good to be back with you guys. How are y'all? Great. I mean, you know, as good as we can be. You always ask that, uh, and I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I hope you're doing great, Richard. But I let, try my best. <laughs> let's get into this. Uh, in this assessment, it found broad efforts by the Kremlin and Iran to shape the outcome of the race, but no evidence ultimately that they changed votes or disrupted the voting process. So what did they do exactly? Well, look, I mean, I think we know and we continue to know that the Russians try to find interesting ways to interfere in our election, whether that's using advertising, even though it doesn't actually penetrate our voting system. We know that the Russians are very good at finding ways to influence Americans via misinformation, which has run rampant in this country and in other ways. And I think this sort of speaks to the reason why you saw President Biden come out very strongly uh, yesterday uh, and, so, and, and calling, you know, um, Putin exactly what he was, a killer. And the reason why I think it's important that the president use that language is for a very long time, uh, especially in the LGBTQ community internationally, we have known about the persecution that happens to gay, lesbian, bisexual and transgendered people in Russia. Uh, and Putin doesn't care about this. Putin hasn't tried to stop it. Um, Putin hasn't tried to prevent it. Actually, his policies have only egged that on, which is one of the reasons why I assume that Biden used this language. Yeah, well, actually, speaking of that, let's play uh, a clip from that interview where he said oh. that. I said, look through your eyes, and I don't think you have a soul. And look back at me and said, we understand each other. Look, most important thing dealing with foreign leaders, in my experience, and I've dealt with an awful lot of them over my career, is just know the other guy. So you know Vladimir Putin. You think he's a killer? Mm-hmm. I do. So what price must he pay? The price he's going to pay, well, you'll see shortly. Okay. Well, uh, what did you think about that? Did it help or hurt us? And, like, I feel like that was clickbaity because it, it made it like Biden said that when he just kind of agreed to it. Well, you know, I mean, I do think that the president agrees with that. Whether or not it will hurt our relations with Russia, um, you know, let's be very real, right? It's just like how you started this segment, Shira. Um, the Russians in, interfered in this election to benefit Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. So the idea or the thought that Joe Biden's going to somehow be nice to the Russians when the Russians have, it, it, this is not the first election that they've influenced, this is the second, um, because they want to lean towards policies that benefit them or benefit their interests, speaks to why, you know, I think you, you see the president making the statement. And while that happened, what we found out today is that while, you know, the Kremlin and, and you know, Moscow, rejected Joe Biden's statement. They also said very clearly that they're open to a dialogue with us. So which one is it, Putin? Yeah, it just seems like, should we be nervous for whatever Putin has in store? Because you, you just don't know with that guy. He seems like a complete crazy person. Yeah, listen, I get the fear around um, Putin and around what he's capable of. I, I think with that being said, we have the world's strongest military uh, and we could you and I and I think beyond that, uh, anything that we'll see the Russians do will be very similar to the disinformation and misinformation we saw them engage in in the 2016 and the 2020 election. I don't think we'll see more from that. And it's also worth pointing out that the Russian economy is not doing very well. So there's not very much that they can do from uh, their, their their economy can't sustain much of uh, an attack against the United States. Okay, but they could connect with Russia, not Russia, with China. 
perhaps? Oh, uh, perhaps, but I think there are issues there as well, right? I think that there are some diplomatic issues between those two countries, but could these two countries form mm-hmm. some sort of alliance to take on the United States? Sure, that's possible. Um, but I, I don't think that that, I think where the Chinese are when it comes to their relations, while there is strained relations in the United States and China, China has a clear understanding that they need the U.S. market to make their economy grow, which is why you've seen them, they're, they're willing the Chinese always seem willing to come to the table when the United States says, hey, can we talk about this? Because they understand that the U.S. market mm-hmm. is a very valuable market for the pro- for their products. Yeah, well, that was Richard Fowler, Fox News contributor. Thanks again. Have a great day. Coming up on the show, Biden's plans to send millions of COVID-19 vaccines to Canada and Mexico. How this would impact vaccine diplomacy. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. News news has come out that the Biden administration is finalizing plans to send millions of AstraZeneca vaccine doses to Canada and Mexico. Uh, And joining us right now is Dr. Michael Sag. He's an infectious diseases expert, our favorite that we have on the show. Welcome back. Good to be back with you guys. Now, has this traditionally been done? Is this a big deal to be sharing the love like this? Oh, I think it's a great thing. And, you know, the United States historically has been a global leader in all types of eradication of infectious diseases programs ranging from smallpox to other things. And so, yeah, I think this is totally appropriate. And it's a backhanded good sign for all of us, because when we start looking to help others outside of the United States, it means that we're beginning to get our own act together in terms of having enough supply for U.S. citizens. So I think it's 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 a win-win-win kind of deal. Yeah, I guess this is the first time I've actually heard of this vaccine. What's the difference from the vaccine, this vaccine and the other vaccines that we know of? Yeah, this, this vaccine, the AstraZeneca, is, is more similar to uh, the J&J vaccine. So it's not like Pfizer or Moderna. Uh, and it was developed out of Great Britain, and it, it works pretty well. Uh, there have been a few um, stumbles along the way in terms of some potential side effects, which are hard to tell if it's really from the vaccine or if it's just coincidence that some people had some difficulties. But overall, With this it's Astra, a very safe... The, the AstraZeneca, right? That's the one you're talking about? AstraZeneca, right. And right. so that's, the, and one that they're about... giving... that's <laughs> the one that they're giving to all the other countries? Well, they're starting to. And uh, it's 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 coming out of Oxford, England, uh, but it's it's a good vaccine. And and so what's what's nice in the big picture is that we have so many effective vaccines now that this is going to help us get rid of the pandemic over the next year. Yeah, because uh, the importance is that it's not about just the U.S. getting the vaccine. It's not about the you know keeping it within borders. This is a global pandemic, so it will continue if other countries don't have it. So the more I think we can protect those other countries and support them, the better. Well, that's absolutely right. And remember, I think I've said this on the show before, but the adage in infectious diseases is that a virus isn't gone anywhere until it's gone everywhere, and so we have to. We're a global citizen. And it's not only um, important for us to be good citizens, but it's actually in our own interest to have this pandemic under control in other places, because you can think about it this way. If, if we get rid of it, say, in the U.S. and Europe, but it's, it's got hot spots in other places around the world, with the emergence of variants, 
when the virus is not controlled, new variants can be generated in other spots and then through international travel spread back to the U.S. where maybe our vaccines wouldn't protect. So that's the idea. It's, it, it's again, like I said earlier, win-win-win. Mm. So who, who gives vaccines to like third world countries and countries that don't have any money? Well, there's there's been uh, global pro- programs through the United Nations over the years, through the World Health Organization, and the United States is a big player in supporting those efforts. Um, the Global Fund sometimes contributes, but this is something that um, has been done with vaccine delivery of all types. For example, uh, rotavirus is a vaccine that was one of the number one killers of, of children around the world because they would get this virus and they'd get a diarrheal illness that would uh, ultimately kill the child because they couldn't keep up with the fluids oh. in some of the places, and especially sub-Saharan Africa. Well, this va- vaccine was developed. It's now distributed. And children, it's improved uh, childhood mortality dramatically in these other places. And distribution of that vaccine is done through mostly humanitarian ways uh, through those agency I just talked about. Okay, well, that was Dr. Michael Sag, Professor of Medicine and Director at the UAB Center for AIDS Research. Thanks, as always. Thanks for having me back. And coming up on the show, uh, conspiracy theorists think Joe Biden used a green screen to fake a recent appearance. Did he? We look at that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The conspiracy theorists are at it again. They came after President Biden for a video that came out of him talking to reporters on the South Lawn of the White House Tuesday. People basically thought he was against a green screen and it blew up on Reddit. So you've seen the video. Do you think he was against a green screen? Do you get why they would have come up with this? I get why it did look a little weird, um, but I think it's just science. His his basically his his arm was in front of the mic and it looked like it was photoshopped onto this mic. Right. Like he was photoshopped over it. Right. Uh, but yes, it's it's not true. It was really him. He was there in person. There's a lot of reporters that can uh, basically acknowledge that they were there. There's other angles and everything. Yeah, there's other photos too. But why uh, do people tap into that so quickly? Because people are ready to get the vaccine so they can get outside and actually have something to do with their lives. So you're saying if they had the vaccine and were out and about doing things with their lives, they wouldn't be spending their time on conspiracy theories. They probably would. The crazy ones would. (laughs) I mean, the thing is, I think we look out for this stuff, including when it is like you go frame by frame and it seems like it's possible. I think we all think we live in a movie or something. Like we all want to be part of some sort of weird Netflix series. Right. And we think we're living in that. When, yes, our world is strange. (laughs) But guess what? It's not as crazy like we create stories in our head. And it happens for sure. You just get so wrapped up on it. And you want, you know, I think you and I wanted March 4th to happen and nothing happened. And so they're trying to find every little detail and little thing that doesn't look right. And uh, they're going to run with it. Oh, yeah. It it seems like that's the case. And, you know, we've talked about deep fakes before and people did deep fake politicians. They've done it to Nancy Pelosi. They did it to Donald Trump. They've done it to Hillary Clinton. Uh, This is like it would be old school if someone did this, the CGI stuff. It would be like, oh, they didn't deep fake. They went CGI. (laughs) I think producer Vanessa wants us to to you want to throw this in? So basically, yeah. Producer Vanessa says she thinks this. 
she, oh, she's throwing out a conspiracy. You want to just get on the mic? No? Here, tell us. Yeah, tell us. I don't think this. I think people think... Wait, my mic's on. Your on. mic's on, yes. Okay. I, I'm Do you know how to use your, this uh, I'm thing? controlling her mic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think people think... That this is fake because Joe Biden hasn't done a live press conference. And this is like another way to be like, wait, maybe he was in a green screen because we haven't seen him in a press conference. So mm. I feel like that could be one of the points why those conspiracy theories were like, ooh. And also, screen. well, why would he be on a green screen anyway? Uh, because they think he's old and he's been sick or something. So he's not around people. He is around people. He just sat down for a whole interview with George Stephanopoulos. And like that was his first exclusive interview. That was his one time out of, he's the, been around. Out of his room. We saw him recently for Valentine's I Day know. when uh, him and his wife did something out in front of the, the White House. That like, was like a year seen, ago. We've literally <laughs> seen him. I don't understand. I get that he's old. But I don't know. People are bored. Well, yeah. In the end, the reporter who had the gray microphone felt compelled to set the record straight. He tweeted this on social media. I was the one holding the lighter colored fuzzy microphone and thus literally in front of POTUS on the South Lawn. It's all real. Who actually believes this faked moon landing type nonsense? And more importantly, who is spreading it? Well, we know who's spreading this. Come on. Can I just say this real quick? Uh-huh. I do believe that the earth is flat. And <laughs> scene. Do we really need to get into that in another segment? I just thought I would drop that in. That's a lie. Yeah, it is most definitely a lie. Uh, or else I'm quitting this job. I'm finding another the earth co-host. Is flat, I'm finding people. another co-host right get now. Get over it. Coming up on the show, the reason why there's been a scary spike in liver disease among young women. More details next. Welcome back to the show and uh, coming up why there's been a scary spike in liver disease among young women. Uh, I think that we need to figure this out because for those results in such a short period of time. You need to figure it out. (laughs) My liver's good. (laughs) They said women. That is true. Thanks for looking out. (laughs) I mean, I'm just making sure you're looking out for yourself. I know I am. Thankfully, I've decreased my consumption, but it's worrisome. No, you didn't. You literally just said you had a michelada last night. Of alcohol. That was one michelada. But how many of that happens every day? And often recently here, not to put your business out there, but you do end the the week being like, I can't wait to drink. I can't wait to drink. I can't wait to have a Yeah, my drink right now at my age is like two drinks. And it's like, yeah, party! Is that is that like the key to getting older, just to remind people how old you are? So mm-hmm. like it gives you permission to yeah, do anything? I take pride. Do you? Uh-huh. Because I mean, age is a big thing for Shira Lazar. Yeah, you gotta, <laughs> you know, own own your age, own where you're at. So, I mean, we gotta, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this young, the liver thing, even though it's happening for young women, but every time you talk about your age. I'm oh, like, that means I'm in that too. Do you young get it? Oh, so now she's young. Now she's young, so her liver You know, you're, is- always, you're always as young as you, like, to be honest, like, I always think to myself when I'm 10 years, in 10 years, I'll be, I'll look back at this age and think, oh my God, I was so young then. It's always when you look back, but then when you're in it, you kind of feel older. It's strange. I don't know. I, I just feel like you love being able to pick and choose when you're old. Yeah, you know, I get to. It's freedom of choice. That's coming up in 15 minutes. Not freedom of choice, uh, the liver disease story. (laughs) But now let's get into some what's trending this hour. Cringe. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy was asked whether he regrets using terms like Chinese coronavirus. Here's what he had to say. Do you regret using terms like Chinese coronavirus? I don't know. Does CNN regret that? Does the Democratic Committee that uh, started out regret that? 
I, I would wait to see why the shooter did what he is, but um, if the, the virus came from China, and I think the knowledge we had at the time is exactly that. I don't think people, uh, from the standpoint, um, should go after any Asian from any shape or form, and I condemn every action to that. Uh, yeah, that happened. And so why do you continue to use that phrase? And I don't remember any Democrats or CNN using that term unless they were playing clips or repeating yeah, exactly. what you all were saying. So, <laughs> so what are you talking about here? And uh, remember the woman who had this coughing attack slash harassment on a San Francisco U- Uber driver? It went viral, that video. Well, she's been charged with multiple felonies for the alleged crime. Arna Mai, uh, who refused to wear a mask while inside the car, is facing one count of attempted robbery because she tried to take his, you know, his phone down in that moment. And one count of assault on a transportation driver. She was also charged with two misdemeanor offenses, one count of battery on a transportation driver and one count of violating COVID-19 health protocols. She faces up to 16 years in prison and $3,000 in fines. Doesn't seem to add up like 16 years in prison, $3,000, you know, should be like 16 years in prison and like hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, she's not going to be able to pay it anyway. $3,000. Yeah, that though, I'm no shade, but I don't, I don't think she's going to be able to pay it. I mean, I looked at, by the way, uh, there was a, a person that was in that car who uh, I looked at her Instagram and all that. She was private, but she was a bit of an influencer. FYI. That don't mean nothing. I know. I'm just saying. But uh, happy that, that something's being done about that because uh, there's no tolerance for that type of behavior. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? I do have to say hmm? that I have met some rude Uber drivers in my time. And I'm not saying Doesn't mean I'm they deserve to be harassed. what they've done, what they did. I don't condone that at all because those w- girls are women acted a mess. Oh yeah. But I have met some awful Uber drivers in in my in my time and in my day. But strictly Uber, not Lyft though. It seems <laughs> like it's a different breed. Um but let's go into RT report. Britney Spears is reportedly willing to share her side of her life story, but it has to be on her own terms. It is time for the T Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So, Entertainment Tonight is reporting that a source close to Britney Spears said that she is willing to do a sit-down interview with the one and only Oprah. This is going to be iconic. Uh, she's always hated doing interviews, but if she ever takes the step, Oprah would most likely be her first choice, this source said. And, um... It's going down. I mean, I think everyone and celebrities probably saw that Meghan Markle and Harry situation and was like, oh, Oprah really could do this and kind of tell my side of the story without it feeling judgy. Um, uh, You know, the source also said at this point, there is no plan in the works for her to do an interview. But when she does, there will be steps Britney would need to take before speaking out. Also, if you wanted to know, she saw the whole free uh, Britney documentary um, the release of that, apparently, to the um, according to the source, they said that the release of that documentary has inspired an outpouring of more love than ever. While she still hasn't been able to make changes to her conservatorship, she received millions of messages from fans on social media, and she feels far more understood. Hmm. And so that's really interesting. Yeah. I don't know what these sources are saying, but I feel like if you're on Entertainment Tonight... That has to say something. Entertainment Tonight, I feel like they kind of vet their sources, right? That's the hope. Right. Fingers crossed. But if this happens with Oprah, I would be really into it. Just putting that out there. That's your tea report. I got more coming up next hour. I love how the power of Oprah never ends.
Literally. She keeps going. I love it. Yeah, she's our teacher. She is the master class. Now, uh, coming up on the show, you heard us vent about this at the top of this hour. The impact of pandemic drinking, which could be causing disease among young women. More details on that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Many doctors are noticing a trend. More young women are getting liver disease, specifically since the pandemic began. And joining us right now is Jessica Mellinger, a Michigan-based liver specialist. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. So why is this happening exactly? I mean, I thought you get liver disease over long periods of time, but for that to come up in this short period, that's pretty concerning. Yeah, well, I think you're right on both counts. So you can absolutely get liver disease typically over a long period of time. And I think what, we're, what we all think of there is what's called cirrhosis. And that's just scar tissue that's been laid down in the liver over many years from alcohol or a virus or anything that really inflames that liver. But with alcohol-related liver disease, there's another type of very severe liver disease called alcoholic hepatitis. And this can happen kind of on top of cirrhosis. And in fact, many people who have this more severe inflammation, alcoholic hepatitis, do have cirrhosis underneath that inflammation. Um, but some people don't. And it can happen a bit faster than cirrhosis, than the, you know, the many years that it takes to get cirrhosis. Alcoholic hepatitis can happen in weeks to months of really heavy drinking. So I think you're right on both counts. You know, you can see kind of both long-term and short-term liver disease. But what we're seeing with COVID is after with the with the pandemic is really a rise in this kind of shorter term severe alcohol related liver disease. So is this disease no longer kind of like known as the 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 middle age disease because it feels like it was exclusive to people who reached a certain age in their the middle of their life. Yeah, I think that's what we always kind of conceived of it as, you know, as as something that certainly in the epidemiology of this was very much kind of confined to more middle-aged individuals, 50s and 60s. But over the past, you know, I would say 10 to 15 years, we've seen a real trend towards younger and younger people having more advanced liver disease. And this includes cirrhosis. So we are seeing, you know, more people showing up in their 20s, 30s, 40s with advanced alcohol-related liver disease. You know, they got started drinking very young. They've drank heavily, maybe even off and on over years. And as a consequence, they're now showing up with, Wait a second. you know, liver disease and all of its symptoms. So, I, again, I think you're you're right. We kind of always thought of it as a disease of middle age, but I think that's really changing now. So what's the age range? So if you're saying if I started drinking when I was like 16, that mm-hmm. means if I was drinking all the way up to like the time I was like 24, there's that like, possibility. What is heavy like, drinking, though? I want to know yeah, what, what, what is that even What mean? is the heavy drinking like where you're actually seeing this become that result? Sure. So anything, so the NIAAA, which is the alcohol research arm of the NIH, says that moderate drinking, so kind of quote unquote safe levels are, you know, nothing over a drink a day for women or two drinks a day for men. And and bear in mind that sometimes what we think of as a drink is not what a drink really is. We often tend to think that more alcohol is one drink than what it really should be. So a drink is, you know, four ounces of wine that just kind of just covers that sort of bulbous part of a wine glass. It's one shot of hard liquor, about an ounce and a half. It's one can of beer. That's a drink. That is no um, fun. What is that? One can of beer or one shot? Well, then why just among women? Why is this happening specifically with women? So women process alcohol differently. I mean, that's why the recommendations in the U.S. and kind of all over the world are really that women should drink less than men just on average. And that's 
if you don't have an alcohol-related comorbidity like liver disease when, when you really shouldn't drink anything. Wow. Um, so we process alcohol differently. You know, our body weight to, you know, water to fat ratios are different. That changes how we process and, and store the alcohol. That changes how we metabolize it. Um, we have a differential amount of enzymes in our stomach and intestine that process alcohol. Same thing in the liver. So there's a lot of different physiologic issues with women that we will just, we just can't drink as much as men before we start getting consequences. And, and, uh, but for women, yeah. oh yeah, go ahead. I, well, we have just 20 seconds more. Like what if, what do people yeah. need to look out for? to, to mm-hmm. maybe know that if they need help, obviously if they're drinking heavily, but like to maybe know if they have this liver disease. Yeah, I think if you're if you're finding that, you know, you're drinking more than you want to, you think you should cut back, you know, those kinds of thoughts are starting to come up. You know, you definitely want to maybe talk to your doctor, you know, reach out for some extra help on how to do that, how to cut back and how to stop. Um, and liver disease, obviously, if you're seeing signs of yellowing eyes or your belly is starting to swell, those are kind of end stage type symptoms. You definitely want to get yourself to a doctor right away if that's going on. I mean, who knew women have to deal with the patriarchy and now they're alcohol exactly. misogynistic? That is the worst. <laughs> uh, Jessica Mellinger, a Michigan based liver specialist, thanks for being here. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Coming up on the show, mental health resources made specifically for the AAPI community. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The Stop AAPI Hate National Report has revealed a dramatic increase of anti-Asian hate crimes. And then there was the shooting in Atlanta of eight people, six of which were Asian women at local spas. It's obvious we have reached a tragic and urgent tipping point. And taking care of your mental health is important during this time, especially for those in the AAPI community experiencing trauma right now. Uh, And here to share more is Edward Lee, who's a therapist and coach. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be with you guys. Well, how should wellness be approached specifically for those in the Asian community right now and for our listeners who are in the community? Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of uh, stigma around mental health, um, and especially in the uh, AAPI community. And uh, I think that one of the things to remember is that this uh, we're often, there's a, the AAPI community is huge, and there's a lot of different um, cultures and uh, distinct different uh, ways of doing things um, but there definitely are some similarities and I think that's a great place to start and have a foundation of uh, where we're going to start off as we address this but um, oftentimes the AIP, uh, AAPI community is used to keeping our heads down not drawing too much attention to ourselves for the sake of, of the collective and these days, there's been a lot of attention, uh, even positive uh, press with with uh, Hollywood and um, representation, uh, Minari and Stephen Young. All this, thi- all these things are are positive, but even that is a bit uncomfortable to receive all th- all this attention. And then, throw on top of that, the the violence, uh, the discrimination, uh, the hate, and the uh, murders, which adds a level of threat. Um, which puts us in a place of flight or uh, fight or flight, and oftentimes some of the reactions to that is disengagement, um, avoidance, or even uh, defending the abuser. And so, what that does often is pull us away from trying to seek that help, which not only hurts uh, us individually but uh, us as a collective. 
Yeah, I think one thing that's really interesting is obviously we know a lot of the attacks um, were happening uh, towards older folks, right? And I think Mm -hmm. when you're young and you're millennial or Gen Zs, you feel the responsibility even more to speak up and fight and be on the front lines. But I, I wonder what that balance looks like when it comes to, you know, finding out and educating yourself and being as like, you know, uh, vocal online as possible, but kind of get being overwhelmed and being like, I kind of need to step back, but I also feel that pressure to, to be a part of this movement that's going on. So how do you find that, that balance where you can do both or is it even possible? Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's a huge thing to bring up because there definitely is a lot of pressure, um, to be vocal, especially on social media. Um, you know, you see a lot of posts of people saying your silence is speaks louder than uh, words, right? And of these kinds of things. And the truth is, um, while that is true and important, that everybody's going through their own process of dealing with uh, their grief or even with the trauma of everything that's going on. And so I think that one of the important things that we want to uh, remember is there's no one way to do things. And um, we need to be empathetic and it comes from a place of love and support, um, whether you're in the AAPI community or not. And I think that that's going to be a bigger thing. Uh, Definitely there needs to be a voice. Definitely there needs to be um, uh, marches and all all the awareness definitely needs to be out there. And I'm not saying that that's not important because it absolutely is. Um, but at the same time, I think bringing somebody down or shaming somebody because they're not um, at that same place in their process as you are is is a, is a harmful and dangerous thing. Definitely. You're bringing up so many important points. And we want to get into actual resources, places people can go to get that support. So let's get into that right after this. As we continue to look to support those in the AA. PI community, our friends and family who are dealing with a lot of trauma right now um, and healing that needs to happen. Uh, Right now, therapist and coach Edward Lee is back with us. Uh, And Edward, we want to get into those resources, those places that our friends can get support. Because as you're saying, you know, uh, there's specific needs for those in the community, right? Like, and we talk about the queer community, we talk about uh, the black community here, um, all intersections. And I, I think that all communities can't be dealt with the same way, obviously. For sure. <clears throat> yes, absolutely. Um, uh, I think that's a huge point. I think the big thing that we want to do is encourage people to 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 educate themselves, their minds, but also their hearts, because it's going to come from empathy. And you do that by uh, interacting and learning about all um, marginalize all people um, and I think that that is what will build it up um, um, I think that some some resources that we can get to um, uh, for example for therapy uh, for the AA, uh, API community there's a, a PISA therapist directory that's API SAA and that has a directory of different um, Asian therapists who are available um, there's the National Asian American Pacific Islander Mental Health Association. It's a mouthful, but A-A-N-H-P-I. Um, also, inclusive therapists, uh, which uh, works to connect uh, marginalized people with uh, culturally, culturally responsive uh, and uh, identity-affirming therapists. Um, and then there's, the, um, you know, Hate is a Virus, Stop AAPI Hate. These are different organizations that uh, help to shed awareness, advancing justice, uh, AA 
aajc.org is another um, around uh, helping to have the civil rights for uh, empowering Asian Americans. Yeah, and I always wonder, especially as someone who is queer and black, um, and we're talking, we're having this conversation about allyship, right? Is being mm-hmm, an ally mm-hmm. enough? Yeah, I mean, is it enough? That's a, that's a great question. I think that it, it really comes down to when we talk about allyship, we're often talking about different things that, that we can do. And I think that the important thing that comes from that is at the foundation is changing that mindset of um, how uh, making it something that's not uh, their cause and making it more our cause mm-hmm. and kind of seeing how we as a group can make it from a them to an us. Mm-hmm. And how we do that, I think, is, is by kind of building that empathy. And so whenever we're reaching out, we're reaching out to listen, to build the empathy. When we're educating ourselves, we're educating our minds, but also our hearts. When we're watching films or reading books, we can enjoy it and just watch normal life because it'll educate not just uh, how we see things, but then how we feel about it. And then from there, how we act, how we reach out, how we stand up for justice, how we march and all those things can come from a place of empathy so that when we are in a place where we're like, I don't really know how to respond to this situation. If it comes from a place of love, support and empathy, then most likely it will be uh, helpful and not harmful. Thank you so much for those powerful words. That was therapist and coach Edward Lee. Have a great night. Thank you. Coming up on the show, dozens are rallying in Montana against anti-LGBTQ plus bills. What is going on next on What's Trending This Hour? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Uh, Coming up on the show, how vaccines are impacting the workplace. That's going to be in 15 minutes. Which... Still haven't got my vaccine, but guess what? I did get um, a message from the waiting list that I'm on uh-huh. for the, the state of California uh-huh. that says, guess what? You are able to get your vaccine. But here's the kicker. Mm. I went to go find an appointment. There's no places that are giving vaccinations right now. They're all filled up well, or out of stock. I hear so you what's on the that? point of even telling me that I can go get a vaccine when there's nothing near me? But then I hear from other people like I was with someone earlier today who got a vaccine and they said they just went to one place and it was empty. Where did they well, go? We'll talk, uh, Chatsworth. See, I went to... Okay, so they're saying that the pharmac- the pharmacies around me, like at the Bond... No, you have the- to get out, go out of L.A. See, who's doing that? I don't have People the time hate. to drive to... We'll make it a... Why don't we do a carpool? <laughs> this is awful. I just... I felt like the... It was like a, a smack in the face when California sent me that message and then I went to go find and, uh, a time and they were like, oh yeah, we don't have anything until like 2025. Literally, it just was like, what was the purpose of even sending me that email? It's like your dating life. It was awful. It's like your dating life, right? I'm in the gray area everywhere. That's what it is. No matter what, I'm in the gray area. Speaking of which, uh, why Gen Z is trading in casual hookups for serious commitments. Ew, are we doing that? Gen Z. See, I'm not a Gen Z. I'm a a millennial, but I feel like I'm a cusp. I honestly feel like I'm a cusp millennial Gen Zer. Well, let's see if you uh, get this. And we're going to be talking about that too this hour. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. New York City mayoral candidate Andrew Yang, who we love here. He got emotional while reflecting on his own experience as an Asian American at the Atlanta shootings. I've been Asian all my life. And I remember vividly growing up 
with this constant sense of invisibility, mockery, disdain, a sense that you cannot be American if you have an Asian face. But this has metastasized into something new uh, and deadly and virulent and hateful. It's infuriating when the authorities question a 21-year-old madman as to his motivations when we can see clear as day that if you go into an Asian business in an Asian community, you know exactly who you will find behind those doors, and in this case, the people whose lives you will end. You know, uh, we also appreciate his vulnerability and his emotion when he's sharing these things because we don't see that from politicians a lot. Of course, he was an entrepreneur and is still an entrepreneur and now moving more into politics. Yeah. But it's really refreshing to see someone being real. Yeah, I'm so I'm not I'm going to be honest. I'm so conflicted sometimes about Andrew Yang where I'm like one minute I like him, the next minute I don't like him, but in these moments where he's always either talking about his family or his children mm, yeah. or his own personal experiences and he shows so much emotion, it it it, it pulls at the heartstrings. It makes you um, just love him regardless. Um and so I think that's why I feel like he will probably have a very very long political career. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. Now, Montanans are coming out to protest a new slate of anti-LGBTQ plus bills currently being considered in their state. One of the bills, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, has already passed the Senate. If made into law, it would allow people to challenge or ignore government regulations that they say interfere with their religious beliefs. The government would then have to prove its actions are justified. LGBTQ plus Montanans fear that the law would be used to challenge anti-discrimination ordinances that exist in some cities. And Montana's Human Rights Act does not include protections based on gender identity. So everyone right now is rallying. And of course, we support all those on the ground and we'll continue to report about these stories, which are so important. And by the way, if you missed the CEO and president of GLAAD was on yesterday to talk about mm-hmm. media's coverage of these types, these types of things. So check that out on wearechannelq.com. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so I don't know if I want to talk about this, but I guess we should talk about Army Hammer. Okay, what's now? What's so, happening? if you haven't been following the Army Hand like Hammer saga, um, of course we know that uh, there's some cannibalism. I'm just going to give you buzzwords. <laughs> there's cannibalism. There's uh, ropes. There's change. There's um, but also there's fifty unfortunate- shades of army. Yeah, but to take out the jokes of this, there is some really serious accusations here. Um, the latest ones are coming from one of his ex girlfriends. Um, trigger warning before I say this. Um, basically he was accused of violently raping her um she claims that uh, he abused her mentally emotionally and sexually during their four-year relationship the woman who gave her first name as effie um and sobbed as she talked said that she uh, feared for her life throughout her time with hammer who has been accused of course by other women of being into cannibalistic fantasies Uh, She said, he became increasingly more violent. I thought he was going to kill me. I don't know what's happening here with Army Hammer, um, but these are, this is serious at this point. I don't know if he can survive because she goes more and more in her, she spoke uh, alongside of her attorney, Gloria Alred, and I don't want to go too much into it because it's a lot, Um, but I, I don't know if Army can survive this. No, and, and so we're not against uh, or about fetish shaming, but like do things consensually. So if he was into all this stuff, 
there's ways to do that. Just not with someone who is not into it or whatever it was. To be honest. Or do you think he used that as an excuse for crappy behavior? I don't know. To be honest, I feel like you should be shaming cannibalism. That just feels like something that is okay to shame. You know? I, I do feel that way. Um, is it like me biting my nails like a little? No, it's like you actually eating people. Um, but I, I think um, this is a serious this is a serious thing, yeah. and I just don't know if Army Hammer will be able to come back from this. He's already been dropped from that movie he was working on with Jennifer Lopez. If you want to know more of what his ex girlfriend is saying um, in these press conferences, and now uh, she's working, like I said, with Gloria Alred, who is her attorney. Head over to WeAreChannelQ.com because you know he's being investigated by the LAPD following these allegations. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. I got more T-Report coming up later. A new survey that reveals uh, more about the workplace and vaccines and the future of all of that. More next. A new survey from Glassdoor found that 70% of those working from home said that they and their colleagues should be required to get a COVID-19 vaccine before they return to work. And a number of the respondents were actually willing to quit if they are required to return to an office before all employees have been vaccinated. Scott Dabrowski is back with us, Glassdoor Senior Director and also part of Glassdoor's Pride Employee Resource Group. Love that. Welcome back to the show. Hey, uh, thank you so much for having me. Nice to see you guys. Or yeah, chat with you. <laughs> exactly. You too. So I guess, uh, why was it important to do this survey? How was it conducted? You know, we felt it was important to do the survey because at Glassdoor, we always have our finger on the pulse of, you know, what are the latest trends and employee sentiment into what it's really like to work at a company and the future of work. And so the natural next step, you know, given that March is one year since so much so many people have started working from home. We really wanted to take a pulse check one year into the pandemic and see how did employees feel about continuing to work from home, uh, returning to the office, and, you know, safety and requirements around it. And so that's what this survey uh, really reveals. Yeah, and I know in my own friend circles, the return to the office is already really unpopular. Um, so <laughs> how did that reflect in what you guys found in your survey? Yes. So return to the office is, um, you know, when it comes to returning five days a week, I mean, the evidence is clear. Um, you know, uh, nearly nine in 10, 86 percent of employees said they were what they said they would prefer to continue working from home at least part of the time um, after offices reopen. So this is clear evidence that about nine in 10 employees would at least working uh, continue, uh, would prefer to keep working in this kind of hybrid model. So for many people, and I'll say my, myself included, um, I'm over working from home five days a week. You know, it's a lot. And I hear this from my friends, colleagues, peers, um, job seekers on Glassdoor. Five days a week, um, we're ready to get out, see people again, interact. However, the hybrid model is what is prevailing. And you see a lot of employers already taking this step, um, announcing plans to allow employees to work anywhere they want going forward, um, including Glassdoor, um, and then uh, allowing a hybrid model. And of course, for those employees who want to come into the office, you can come in five days a week if you want, although that seems to be the minority feeling at this time. So hybrid is the future. And how are they going to ensure that everyone is vaccinated? I mean, like, what did what advice are you giving to employers once you have all this data? <laughs> Ooh, that that is a great question, and there are some things um, for consideration there. Um, so, 
that's a great question that I think many employers right now um, are figuring out how to tackle. Um, and this is where our survey doesn't quite go into this, but can you legally ask um, employees, are you vaccinated and, you know, show me the proof? Um, we know that there are a number of employees who um, may not want to be vaccinated for certain um, reasons, whether mm-hmm. it has to do with um, just not trusting certain things, or actually it could be certain, um, uh, you know, beliefs um, and, and alignments. Um, so there's a number of reasons. So employees may or may not be able to um, ask that question. And maybe some lawyer who's listening might know that <laughs> part of it. Our, our survey didn't look into that. But yeah. that's a very sensitive and personal question totally. is the truth because, you know, we wouldn't ask employees about any other, mm-hmm. you know, really severe, um, you know, medical records and health health things. Totally. Well, something uh, to dive into and whoever figures it out will make a lot of money. Thanks for your transparency, yes. <laughs> uh, Glassdoor. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Scott Dabrowski, who's from Glassdoor, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Coming up on the show, the new report about Gen Z and relationships. We've got a TikTok dating coach joining us <gasps> what? next. Who did that? Yep. Gen Z is trading in casual hookups for serious commitments. But why? Well, we've got a TikTok dating coach. This is a first year on the show. And relationship expert Alexis Germany with us. Welcome to what? Let's Go There. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So, uh, yeah. So wait, do you really consider yourself a TikTok How, dating coach? Is that because you blew up on TikTok and now you're a TikTok dating coach? Yeah, someone else named me a TikTok dating coach who will <laughs> save your relationship. Okay. And then I just ran with it. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. It's a good package. So why is this becoming more of a trend? Um, the serious relationships for yeah. Gen Z? Because they can market it. They can use it. People are obsessed obsessed with it and then they will pay them to be part of that it couple so everybody is trying to make their relationship go viral so they can be just like the influencers but doesn't that harm their relationships like later in life because (laughs) that means your relationships have never been genuine until you actually find someone you like and then you don't know how to navigate in a serious relationship Oh, I wholeheartedly agree with you there, but we don't have the data on on what happens when Gen Z grows up just yet. <laughs> I'm scared. Yeah, so how do you, how do, like how are they supposed to navigate that? That's just so interesting to know that it's just a marketing tool at this point. I mean, and I don't know, you know, I know that's not all marketing, but it's also just they like the idea of it, they like the image of it, and they like people feeling jealous or envious of them. You know, so even if they're not necessarily getting paid for their relationship, they like having people say relationship goals, couple goals. I wish I had a man like yours. I wish I had a woman like yours. You guys are the cutest. You know, that's what they're after. They like that, um, those affirmations. I like that too. I'm not going to lie. I mean, well, I th- same. don't get me wrong, yeah. but I mean, there's, there's limits to it. It has to also be coming from a real place for me. Yeah, yeah I'm. it's kind of worries me about the next generation. And we have a lot of people in the next generation that uh, give me hope, actually. They're the next generation activists and leaders. But when you bring mm-hmm. this into the picture, it makes me scared because this could be very toxic. Yes, I definitely think that there can be a lot of toxicity, especially when you're focused on hiding some of those problems or dealing with problems you don't need to deal with, especially at such a young age, because you want to keep your audience happy. So you find yourself in relationships that are not genuine or that no longer serve you. And as a very young person, I mean, you don't need to be focused on such long-term major commitments and promise rings and girlfriend proposals and all that type of stuff. 
So what lasting effects do you think this is going to kind of have on just like relationship and love and dating, especially now that we're about we're kind of heading towards the end of the light with, uh, you know, getting out of the pandemic and dating is about to become a real thing for us again. What do you think this is what's what's going to happen next? I think people are going to find themselves very disappointed right now. There's a lot of focus on grand gestures and big things because people want to record them and take pictures of them and stuff like that, that you almost forget what it was like to just go on a regular dinner date to, you know, a local restaurant. Everything is like they rented out the restaurant. They took me on a yacht. They flew across the country and wore a customized t-shirt to ask me to be their girlfriend. And I don't think, People are going to be doing as much of that once dating is regular again, and you can just kind of go out to the bars um, and meet, you know, whoever's the person for the night. Yeah, it's like they become like normal people. Like, uh, I mean, I dated a YouTuber and I've been in social media and my relationship was very much like it was like, oh, you have a YouTube relationship. And now I'm with someone who's not on social media and it's a much healthier relationship. But it goes back to like this trend of performative relationships. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I loved what you said in this Bustle.com article as we wrap this up. You you urge your clients to investigate why social media means so much to them. Could you break that down? Yeah, sure. So I think a lot of my clients come to me and they will say, I, he doesn't want to post a picture of me. She doesn't want to post me. She doesn't want to be in my YouTube. I've actually had a client break up with a girlfriend because she did not want to be on his TikTok. She just wasn't comfortable with being in that limelight. And I'm like, Do you care about the social media or is there something else? Are you thinking that appearing on social media together is helping you claim your, your property, claim your man, make, make Mm. it so that maybe you think he's not cheating because he's willing to go public with me. Or is it really because you're a content creator, you love to create content and you want that to be a part of your relationship because those are two very different things. And if you're using social media to show people a perfect relationship that doesn't exist, well, then you need to really be thinking about your relationship and not social media. And those are just two very separate concepts that I think a lot of Gen Zers and younger people just don't, aren't even thinking about. They think it's all one and the same. Oh, yeah, and it's complicated. It's layered, baby. They're about to roll back the layers. Oh, what? I do think I agree with, though, girl, about, like, if my man don't want to post me on his Instagram, like, that's a red flag. What you trying to hide? What you trying to hide? They're not updating their social. I'm not here. I'm not here to tell you it's not a red flag. Yes, if it's important to you, your person should post you at least once, right? If it's important to you. But I'm saying you don't have to necessarily be wanting to do all these skits and couples pranks and all of that maybe you're not into that but yeah (laughs) if if it is important to you and they're not posting you let's talk about that i force my man to do that let me tell you i feel bad when he does and i know it means it means a lot when he does it honestly makes me feel like chris blink twice if you need help (laughs) that's what i think about every time i see Shira's boyfriend in a tiktok oh he needs lots of (laughs) yeah that's my boyfriend too he is not into the tiktok but he will do it if i ask oh that's love (laughs) Uh, that uh, was Alexis Germany, TikTok dating coach and relationship expert. Thanks again for being here. Thanks, guys. Coming up on the show, no screaming on California roller coasters. It's a new state guideline that was issued. What is going on? We discuss that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So we know uh, that theme parks in California are planning to reopen as early as next month. But... Listen to this. It comes with a twist. The state's Attractions and Parks Association is recommending that park officials encourage riders to mitigate the effects of shouting. So if you're on roller coasters or other rides, 
to prevent the spread of COVID-19, they literally don't want you to scream. They want you to keep your mouth shut, have a face mask on, and just don't freak out. Don't do anything. Don't just, do. Just go like. Mm-hmm. I think you remember when we went through that phase in life with the mannequin challenge. They want you to be real life mannequins on these roller coasters. Don't move. Don't say anything. Don't scream. Um, and I just don't see how that's possible. It feels like, well, why even reopen the place if you don't want me to have the full experience? Like that feels like the other alternative. Well, this is a new world, Ryan. No, it, if we're getting vaccinated, like it should it be is. fine. Listen, it's obvious that uh, why you have to wear masks. So when you're wearing a mask, I guess even then when you scream, and you have, I, I'm wondering if th- they're gonna have um, a, a a seat in back of you like that doesn't have someone. Here's the so thing. they're gonna do like one seat with someone, one seat no one, <sighs> one seat in back of you, someone. But then if you scream, would your scream your air go to the person in back of you. I'm going to be so worried about like not dying on these roller coasters because for me roller coasters are the one of the scariest things I put myself through. Like when I say oh I and I honestly put myself through trauma when I'm going on a roller coaster. It's going on that experience when we went to Disneyland oh, yeah. and we were on the scary I tower. I was and I was like, I was, I, I don't know who was next to me, but I was, I was like, to you. I was holding someone for dear life while Ryan, we dropped. I don't remember. No, you, yeah, because you blacked out I, that <laughs> out. But no, I think you blacked that out because I was clinging on to you, I think even worse than you were clinging on to me. And so imagine us like worried about, oh, do you have your mask on? Also with the impact of about us about to Wait. die. That's who just you, not happening. Who are you going to cling on to if you're not allowed being next to someone? Nobody. Like, there's no point. If I can't have the full life death experience, then why am I going? Why am well, I doing it? This is what you get for the reopening. You're not going to get it all. I don't know. I don't think Disney's thinking this all the way through. It, I mean, it's just funny. They couldn't have thought that we wouldn't have laughed at this or made fun of it. And is it going to be like the quietest amusement park? What type of like scary like American Horror Story series is this? Like a carnival, but it's just completely silent because no one's allowed to scream. Well, yeah, they said not even screaming. They said Talk? Limit, limit activities such as singing and shouting. Well, if you, you might as well learn how to take mime classes because clearly we're all going to be mimes in these amusement parks communicating with each other. So we're not allowed to do anything. I guess we'll see what happens when Disneyland opens April 30th. Like imagine if our company, because I will say this about Radio.com LA, before quarantine happened, or was it, we had the best Christmas holiday party where they shut down Universal Studios and we all got to participate in the after dark Christmas everything. That was fun. Um, It was a really good time. But imagine, that's not probably going to be able to happen anymore because we can't even enjoy it. We can't scream or do anything. Sorry to blow your bubble. What's the saying? Pop my bubble. (laughs) You know, that shows you Shira was not all about the bubble during quarantine. Remember, remember what I said in the beginning of quarantine. Oh, Uh let us know what you think. Will this stop you from going to amusement parks at LGT shows where to find us on social media? Coming up on the show, what Apple Maps and Siri are doing to help you find COVID-19 vaccination sites. The announcement next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. <laughs> Coming up on the show, uh, Biden's plans to send millions of COVID-19 vaccines to Canada and Mexico. 
and how this could impact vaccine diplomacy and mental health resources that have been created for the AAPI community coming up in 30 minutes. But do you think that's what we were talking about before the break? Something so Mm -hmm. serious and thought-provoking? No, we were talking about Kylie Jenner's best friend posting a naked photo and and saying what? Let's save water as she is naked in the shower (laughs) and the water is pouring on her. Like and then and then Ryan brought up. Well, I take a picture in the bath, but I, in you that be picture, naked all wait, the time. I'm not talking about nudity. I don't. I love. She looks amazing. Go, be naked. Run around. But don't talk about saving water when you're literally in a like you're wasting water in that moment. But that's the thing. These celebrities leave with thirst traps to get the message out there because they know they but get more engagement on the naked in a traps. desert. Just be like, why is it so deserty? Why is it wow. so dry? I had no clue you're policing how she's getting the message out there. Is it be, the weird. message being out there the best way no, to, like, as long as the message is out there? And saying, should I put my water on then to save water? Does the water look like it's low pressure? Uh, no. Because that, that, that it, means it a lot. It looks high pressure. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I guess she's not saving water. <laughs> Let me DM her. Okay. Uh, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Apple today updated Apple Maps with COVID-19 vaccination locations from Vaccine Finder. It provides the latest vaccine availability for those eligible at providers and pharmacies throughout the U.S. Uh, you can find nearby COVID-19 vaccination loca- locations. Just go to the search bar in Apple Maps by selecting COVID-19 vaccines in the Find Nearby menu or by asking Siri, where can I get a COVID-19 vaccine? I doubt it. I mean, this is probably a real thing. You should try it. But my thing is, it's still not like if the vaccine is like booked up it's like where can you go where can i get a covid I'm, vaccine siri i'm struggling with that now it's uh it uh is it working mm. oh well we tried it in real time and siri oh. said i'm off of Search i'm on maps. break i press maps no it said no results found okay. oh wow <laughs> we'll have to through that not as easy if i can't figure it out my mom's not gonna figure it out yeah the initial rollout includes more than 20,000 locations, with Apple adding more sites in the coming weeks. And at least eight conservative organizations have been running Facebook ads against the Equality Act and possibly violating the social media platform's ban on hateful content. That's according to Media Matters. One of the organizations that ran an anti-LGBTQ ad on Facebook was Franklin Graham's Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. The ad links to a website that falsely claims that churches will be forced to change their views on LGBTQ people and that doctors will be forced to perform gender-affirming surgery on transgender people. And also, schools will be coerced to instruct first, second, and third graders that they can choose to be a boy or a girl. While children should learn LGBTQ people exist, the Equality Act does not require any specific school curriculum. Sorry, I was continuing that voice, but that's actually true. Uh, But yeah, so very problematic here. It'll be interesting to see what Facebook says since they've been hunkering down on ads like this that are a misinformation, clearly, and also discriminatory. So let's see what Zuckerberg has to say about that. That He was on Clubhouse earlier today. I know. If we we could have gone on and asked that because a million bucks people don't know that this is happening. You know, he's the last person I want to talk to. Like, he just seems so boring. Uh, Most of these tech guys seem really boring. Not all of them. He, I mean, I Are they too cocky to realize that they're nobodies? Uh, so, some of them are, they're nerdy, but they're... Are uh, cocky. And now they're cocky because now they're rock stars and they have a lot that's of money. The, that's the worst thing, a nerd finding confidence. <laughs> You can't stop it. 
That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so I have some news. Um, Billie Eilish just revealed some, uh, I mean, something major that shocked fans. Mm. It's time for your tea report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So going blonde is not as easy as it looks. On Wednesday, today, Billie Eilish shocked fans by revealing. Oh, what? We're losing track of today. Today is Thursday. (laughs) Remember at the top of the show, Ryan, I said, happy Thursday. Thursday. No, I thought today was Wednesday. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, Billie Eilish, she shocked fans by revealing that she dyed her neon green and black hair platinum blonde, marking the start of a new era in her life and her uh, her music. Well, actually, um, she, <laughs> she surprised fans by saying, guess what? She's been wearing a wig for a while. Her hair has been blonde for like two months. She revealed it on TikTok when she responded to someone, um, which I don't know why people are finding that so shocking. I think everyone wears wigs. But this is what I don't appreciate about that. What? Because it looks so cool and then you do that to your hair and ruin your hair. And then it's not, what? that's not fair. Yeah, because I'll tell you. No I one's was, telling you to go dye wait. your hair because Billy's doing it. That's what an influencer is. She's people not an influencer. She's a trends. musician. She's an artist. Yeah, people follow artist trends. I'm sorry. That's what creates trends. In the court of law, you would not be able to take Billie Eilish in, in a court being like, because you dyed your hair wait, neon green, I, I, my hair well, fell out. All right, so Halsey had her rainbow hair that time she posted on Instagram. I went, I was so inspired by Halsey. I was like, oh, I love that. I've always wanted rainbow hair. I went to my guy. Was this when you were 12? No, it was a few months ago. Oh, okay. Well, that's another issue. You think I knew Halsey when I was 12? <laughs> no, I just said that's another issue because you're a grown woman. Hey, she's a grown woman too. It. And she looks good with rainbow hair. Mm-hmm. You could wear rainbow hair at every age. Don't be ageist. Okay. So I went to my guy and he goes, you know, that's a wig, Shira. Yes. <laughs> go, well, no, I didn't know because I just assumed that's her hair. And he goes, yeah, that would ruin your hair and you'd have to update it all the time. Yes. So you go into these you know, situations thinking like, oh, I'll just do it like this person when it's not real. It's like you've never met a black woman in your life. It's like literally black women. Are, I mean, to be honest, you when you look closely, um, fans started pointing out like when you start to look closely at that hairstyle, you can tell it's a wig. Especially well, yeah, there's a video of her like uplifting it. No, even in photos. Um, but yeah, it's not shocking that everyone wears wigs. And wigs now the technology with wigs, it looks like it's but growing say out of your scalp. It is one because there's there's me people. No, you don't have to. That's none of their business. If you bought the hair, it's your hair. You say, wow, look at my new hair do. Yeah. What's the problem? This color is amazing. I don't agree. I don't agree. Let's get into a debate. You're you're policing her wig wearing, and that is your T-Report. And if you want to find out (laughs) any of uh, the stories that I've covered, read more about them, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com. And of course, keep us followed at LGT Show. There's been a lot of teens that have spent way too much money and probably ruined their hair because of Okay, so this is when I can... (laughs) We're wrapping up the show, as we always do, with some positivity. Our Yaz Queen of the day. Yes, Queen. A Virginia man has shared his covered letter on LinkedIn, hoping that someone will take a chance and offer him a job. Ryan Lowry of Leesburg, Virginia, posted the letter just before his 20th birthday, writing to his future employer that he has autism, a unique sense of humor, is gifted in math, really good with technology, and a really quick learner. He said, I'm interested in a job in animation or in IT. I realize that someone like you will have to take a chance on me. I don't learn like typical people do. So, of course... I mean, the letter went viral, has gotten a lot of attention. And according to his mom and dad, it has reached millions. The question is, when will someone give this guy a job? Yeah. And why does he have to do all of that just to get a job? I know. Like, that's the unfortunate thing. Like, I, I love these stories, but it's also like, 
Why do I got to do all that just to get a job? Just he's clearly qualified. It's tough out there. And also it brings up those with disabilities. Right. Yeah. And uh, the stigma around that. It's so, so true. I, I mean, I give him credit uh, credit for putting himself out there in a, in a unique way. And I really hope he finds the right place that will support him. Well, why don't you reach out to him? You know, everybody, you know, get what? him a job. I'll yes, uh, I don't have a job for him, <laughs> me, but I will try to get him a job. Yeah, Is I, we, we, maybe, I will. You know what? I will reach out to him. You should. Why not? Thank you. Be like, we covered you here. We saw your story. And what can I do for you? You know, like Good Morning America covered this, and I miss Oprah for this reason because when Oprah would cover yeah. something like this, she would you know follow through Why and create action. Whereas all these uh, outlets, and if I was on a Good Morning America or possibly had this guy on, but, you know, I don't know if I have as much pull as Good Morning America, but I probably do. I would at least come back to it with a job offer. Yeah. And also, cover letters are stupid. No one should be doing cover letters. It's 2021. What is the point of a cover letter? If you're going to hire me, just hire me. And let's also normalize not doing multiple interviews. If you know the person is right for just one interview, give them the job. I agree. It's a lot of work. Yeah. You know, I, I just remember, I think I'm getting triggered from all the Probably. times when, when I was like interviewing and you would go in for two to three interviews. You would make the final round and then find out you're not getting it. It's just like, why waste my time? And then you're not even compensating me for that time or even putting out the effort of like creating presentations and all these things. Like yep. there is a restructuring of interviewing that we really need to look at um, to make it easier and more accessible for people to get their jobs. And to not traumatize people. Seriously. In the process. Seriously. Actually, a friend of mine's building something like that, so we should have him on the show. I like that. I'm well, interested. that does it for our show, our Yaz Queen, and the last vent of uh, Channel Q for the show in this hour. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed hanging out with, with us. We appreciate you on tomorrow's show. Uh, the Republicans argue the Equality Act hurts women, but then voted against women's rights bills. So we're going to talk more about that. Plus, houseless Americans are eligible for stimulus checks. So we're going to talk about how they can get their $1,400 and why you should spread the word. That's tomorrow, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern, live right here on Channel Q. If you want to listen to more of our shows and our interviews, check out our podcast. Let's go there on the Radio.com app. We're sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. And stick around right now for Loveline, where Dr. Chris is covering the guide to being a friend with benefits. That's next.